Well, good morning. If you would turn to Romans chapter 1 as we continue in our series, Familia Romana. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those who are, that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Well, what a difference a year can make. I hadn't seen him in a year. And I hardly would have recognized him. He looked very different in many ways, not good ways. Have you noticed this too from time to time? Especially this last year, which seems to have brought out the worst in some people. Seeing this person, it reminded me that the sins that a person chooses can punish the person who commits them, that a person's sins can carry with them the very judgment of God upon them. I could see that his sins were already destroying him. 
And it was so very sad. We are in the book of Romans, the Familia Romana, the churches in the capital city of Rome. They were together in truth and together in the person of Christ. And though they were majority Gentile and they had some Jewish disciples, though they were different in that regard, they were one in Christ. Paul stresses this. They were one in the gospel of Christ, one in the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. But the righteousness of God also is revealed in God's wrath, now being revealed. He says in verse 18, doesn't he? For the wrath of God is revealed. The tense there is an ongoing present sense that it is happening. Paul begins to focus on the typical Roman pagan now. And we'll find that the Roman pagan is very much like the typical Canadian pagan whose sin is destroying him. And so he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You notice the truth of God is suppressed. It is known, but it's not allowed to rise up. It's kept down in a person's heart and mind. It's plain to see, he says, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. It's not that it's not clear. It's very evident. And yet they suppress this truth about God that's so plain. And this truth about God, look at verse 20, the content of his revelation to them, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So all the way back throughout history, God has made clear and plain two things about himself. That he is God, his divine nature, and secondly, that he is powerful. And how has he communicated this? It tells us, since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. Creation itself, he says, so they are without excuse. That is, creation is telling people all the time that there is a God and he is powerful. Think of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The, that's creation, declaring, proclaiming. Day to day, he says, pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Their voice goes out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. That is, creation is screaming at people. There is a God, and he is powerful. He is the creator. And the truth of God is known through what has been made by him. Even though it is suppressed, it is kept down. He says here, so they are without excuse. No excuse before God. Mankind is good at excuses, but there's no excuse in not responding rightly to God because it's plain he has revealed himself. So when someone says this 
or you hear someone say this, as you have, that I don't know anything about God. You know that's not actually true. If someone says, I've never heard about God, you know that's not true. The root of their unbelief is not that they don't know. It's that they suppress what they do know. That is, God is, and he is powerful. The problem is not the ignorance of truth, but the suppression of truth. That's the issue. It's not the ignorance of truth. It's the suppression, suppression of truth. No one is judged because they don't know God. They don't know Christ. They are judged because they hold down the knowledge of God. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They suppress the knowledge of God. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they become fools. We are made to worship God. And if man followed mankind, even the pagan, Canadian pagans, just like the Roman pagans, uh, they suppress the true knowledge of God, mankind is going to create lesser gods for himself to worship. The heart of man, as we've seen, is an idol factory. We saw this in the book of Judges. And so this explains the pantheon of the gods of Rome and Greece. This explains the sheer number of religions made by mankind. This explains Islam. It explains Buddhism. It explains Mormonism. It explains Jehovah's Witness. It explains uh, Hinduism. It explains materialism. It explains humanism. The secular human heart that worships, worships itself. You've heard people say this, I'm speaking my truth. <laughs> That's self-idolatry. I'm following my heart. I have the power to change. Believe in yourself. You shall be as God, Satan said. Some have said this, all religions are the same. <laughs> they are suppressing the truth. When you hear someone say that, remember, they're suppressing the truth because they're all the same except one. They all suppress the truth of God except one. They all replace God with their own creations except one. You've heard it say that all religions worship the same God. Remember, they are suppressing the truth when they say this. You can say, no, no, they all worship many gods. The human heart loves to create idols, but there is only one true God, an ever-living God. You've heard it said, there are many ways to God. They are suppressing the truth. No, no, we say there are many gods that we have created, but there is only one way to God who created us. And that way is he who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by him, Jesus Christ. You know, in water, from a young age, we are taught to swim and, and we are taught to float. We bob up to the surface and place of rest on the surface. And actually, it takes a, a lot of effort to stay under the water, to, to stay down, because you want to, to come to the top. It takes work. You have to swim down and, and work. You. I see that with my grandkids, how they have to work hard to stay under the water. To um, Energy is spent and effort is spent under there. Because you just want to bob up and you want to float. People are spending energy and effort to suppress the glory and the truth of God. And it's like there's a rock. And they're staying down there in their heart. The truth of God is, is kept down. That's what the word suppress means. It's, it's held down. It's smothered down. So that it doesn't get to the surface of their life, into their even conscious. It's just, it's kept down in a way, deep down. It's like they're holding themselves underwater. It's like they're drowning under there and they don't even acknowledge it. They're trying to, they're, they're, they're tying rocks to their ankles to keep themselves down from, from the place of rest and peace on the surface. They don't want to honor him. They don't want to thank him. But they have to keep the truth of God down, suppressed. And so Paul says the result is foolishness. It's not light, it's darkness. And, and a futility of mind develops in them. And they exchange the glory of, look, look at verse 23, and exchange the glory of the immortal God. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. which we create our own idols. What this means, brothers and sisters, is there is no such thing as an ignorant pagan. There's no such thing as a pagan lacking knowledge of God. Every unbeliever at all times, in all places in history, knows about God. That he is and that he is powerful. But even this limited knowledge is suppressed and it's forced down and it's held down in their life. Sometimes you may have wondered about that poor innocent man in the deepest part of the jungle who never had the opportunity to believe in Christ. Does he stand condemned? Well, no, he doesn't. If he is innocent, he will die and go directly to heaven. But the problem is he's not innocent, is he? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no such thing as an innocent man except the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so this fellow in the jungle stands guilty just like us before a holy God, like everyone else. And he, like everyone else, is suppressing the truth of God creating his own gods out of his futility. Sometimes 
you may have thought as well, if, if someone never had an opportunity to believe in Jesus, they must go to heaven. They never, I mean, it's only fair, isn't it? They've never had an opportunity to put their faith in Christ. As though not hearing about Christ gives someone a ticket to heaven. If that were the case, it would be the worst thing in the world for you to tell people about Jesus. Because as soon as they know Jesus, now they stand condemned if they reject him. And if they don't know about Jesus, they have a free pass to heaven, apparently. See, our thinking can be quite confused in these areas. We have to remember the key here, and it's so important, is that people are condemned. Uh, They're not condemned for not believing in Jesus. People are condemned because of their sins, you see. And their rejection of God's revelation about himself. They're suppressing the truth. And they're condemned already by their sins. And so that means your neighbors and your relatives and your friends and your co-workers who don't know Christ, they are actually actively suppressing the truth of Christ. Suppressing the truth of God. They're pressing it down. They're restraining it. They're weighing it down so it never gets to the surface where they have to acknowledge it. And they're working hard to keep it down in the lowest depths of their heart, weighing it down with every heavy idol they can find, with with stuff, whatever they want to worship today. People love the darkness rather than the light. And Christians make no mistake The rejection of God's truth about himself leads to sad places. It leads to hopelessness, and it leads to despair. It leads to ruined lives. It leads to wrecked relationships, sin-seared consciences, sin-hobbled flesh. No one ever rejected God their creator, and came out better for it. God's wrath, he says, is already being experienced by them. It's already being poured out onto sinful humanity. And you can be sure of this, wherever there's idolatry, wherever there is a suppression of the truth of God, behind it always comes immorality. We saw this again in the book of Judges, idolatry, then immorality. And so that's where he takes us here in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. This word, giving them up, God gave them up. That is repeated three times in the rest of this chapter. God giving them up to their passions in verse 26. He gives them up to a degraded mind in verse 28. They were given over. That is, they're given by God to do exactly what they want to do. That to, 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 give, to give somebody over, to give them up, means to per, let, them, let them do it. To permit them to do what they want to do. And there is a comprehensive darkening going on in a person's life. A holistic decline and degradation sets in. God permits them to follow what they want to follow. You see, the sin is is not only judged, but it becomes a means by which judgment is accomplished. 
They exchanged the glory of God for idols. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged natural relations for that which is contrary to, to nature. God's given them the treasure of himself, but they exchange it. And he permits them to do what they want to do. Imagine for a moment a dangerous rapids. And you're in a rowboat on this creek. And God is holding your boat. Keeping you from certain disaster in the rapids. But you get out your oars and you begin to row and row against God. You want the rapids. You desire the rapids. You need the rapids, you say to yourself. You row and you row against God. And you even denounce God who's holding you. You berate him, perhaps even swear at him. And there is a point where God will let go. He will permit you to go where you want to go and to do what you want to do. And you are then capsized in the froth and you're drowning, you're under. And all that you lusted for becomes what destroys you. That's the idea here of him permitting his permissive will. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts, verse 24, to impurity. He's talking about sexual immorality, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth of God, truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. He's talking about sexual sin here. Sex before marriage. Adultery, which is sex with someone who's not your spouse. Pornographies, and they even talk today about sex addicts and trying to put some, some label on sin. And it drags people in further and further into a dark place, and it calls aberrant behavior, perverse things, no restraint. And the more you get into that, the more it destroys and the deeper and deeper into the water you go so that you're so far over your head and corruption sets into your flesh. You can see it on people. Verse 26, look there. He says, for this reason, God gave them up. There it is a second time, to dishonorable passions. And now he's going to speak about homosexuality and lesbianism and that behavior that is contrary to nature, he says. Where this stands in relation to God. He writes, he's not writing uh, to condemn inclination or, or passive attraction, but actual relations with the, op, with the same sex is what he's referring to. And he says it's against nature. There's a natural order to creation. You see, God created us. We worship him. But if sin corrupts so much, then, then, then we believe that we create our own gods. And then, of course, 
Well, where that leads to a corruption of the natural order. Man creates God and so then desires itself. And we have endured relentless propaganda and marketing strategies over the last 30 years to convince society that it's all natural, that it's celebrated, that it's acceptable, just another option in the marketplace of self. But the text tells us it's contrary to nature. It's not natural. No matter the marketing, no matter the modeling, no matter the promotion in TV shows, no matter the happy commercials now that celebrate homosexuality, it destroys wherever it goes. Look at what he says at the end of this passage in verse 27. He says, they receive in themselves the due penalty for their error. It's not only that it's serious sin, but the sin itself is the, pen, is the punishment. You see? It, reach, it reaches deep into the person and it distorts and it warps and it bends and it gets into their flesh, into their mannerisms, into their indulgent behavior. Sin creates its own penalty. One is punished by the very thing by which he sins. Isaiah speaks of this. He says, the look, the look on their faces bears witness against them. So I can, I can see it in their face, he says. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. And it's not only homosexuality. It's, it's all sexual sins now. He's, he's gone through these two, God giving them over. And there's no end to the carnival and the sideshows that mankind is coming up with right now. And it's all sexual immorality. And this is so devastating to the human condition. And this is why Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, flee it. He says, the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There's something about sexual sin that that comes back on the person in awful ways into their very flesh. He says, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And then he'll go on in verse 28 for the third, the third where he says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And out of the heart comes evil deeds. And he lists a whole catalog here of sins and, and what we expect and what, what we know is happening behind closed doors. You know, we tend to see people at their best. We encounter people at their best, whether it's our neighbors or friends or coworkers. We're, we're seeing what they want us to see. But Behind doors, this is what's going on. If you had to spend a day or two in their house, this is what you would be seeing. You, you wouldn't be coming away saying they're nice people anymore. You, you'd say they're, they're sinners like everybody else. Let's see. 
And they're suppressing the truth of God. And at the end, he says, look at verse 32. They know, they, they know God's righteous decree that those who practice that things deserve to die. In other words, there's inherently a sense within mankind, not only that God is, not only that he's powerful, but that there is a judgment coming. But he says here, not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. They're applauding it. If everyone's doing it, it can't be that bad, right? It's called normalization. If you can make something seem normal in a society, it's been normalized. There's strength in numbers. And if everybody's sinning in a certain way, well, then it becomes acceptable and no longer a sin, they believe. All the, bed, all the while, their flesh is decaying and they're bloating underwater not realizing they're drowning. And their very flesh is, is being distorted and impacted by their sins. And so we see all around us angry, bitter, unrestrained people. People just now too filled with rage about about the, uh, the pandemic and just consumed and it's eating away at them. And we see addicted people, restless people, sleep-deprived people, thin and wasted people or huge and puffy people and deeply wounded people, hurting people, people with their manners and their character changed, their personality, deep within changes going on because of their sins. And you can see it in their flesh. You can see it in their face, in their eyes. Sin takes a toll on people, and the toll must be paid. Sin keeps score in the body. And people are already being judged and heading towards the final judgment. The Romans were such a proud people. They saw themselves as superior to every other nation. They, they saw themselves as civilized. Everyone else was barbarous. That is, they were barbarians. <laughs> if you weren't Roman, you weren't anybody. They had the best lineage, they thought, the best gods, the best temples, the best armies, the best buildings and markets and malls and government and bureaucracies and best statues and the best patrons, ships, the best roads. But the Roman pagan was in a sorry spiritual plight and it was all swept away. And just like Canada, the typical Roman pagan is absolutely no different than the typical Canadian pagan. This last two weeks saw Canada voted for the first time the number one country in the world. Maybe you saw the article. According to the 2021 Best Countries Report, on their metric to decide wouldn't it be nice if it was 
Which country is the holiest? Which country follows God? You won't find that in the list. Which country is the most blessed rather than the best? We live in a world that's going very wrong amongst the people who reject God. They suppress what he has revealed about himself. And so they are without excuse. It's so very sad. They're worshiping themselves and the work of their hands and their material goods. And whatever false deity catches their fancy at any given time. And all the way, all the time, all the while, sins are eating away, consuming people alive, bloating and corrupting and drowning and bringing death, working into them the very judgment of God, into their flesh and into their relationships and their addictions, into their fears. God has let their boat go. Has he let your boat go? Perhaps you're listening to this and you know that you're drowning, capsized in your own sins and underwater and weighed down. You know, you can reach out for God if you stop suppressing the truth that he is and that he's powerful. You could come to the surface and repent of your sins. You could look back to him where you left him and you could call out to him, Lord, save me. And Jesus will reach out his hand. He will take hold of you. He will bear you up and catch you and you'll find that you can Walk on water. He died for your sins, this Christ, this Jesus, that you might be rescued. Put your faith in him as Lord. Put your faith in him as Savior. Come, come to the surface. Come to the surface. In a place of rest and peace with God. Acknowledging who he is and who you are. That you need a savior who is Christ. What a difference a year can make. This has been a year of testing for all of us. With more to come, apparently. And will it be another year of sin's judgment to work into your flesh, into your mind, or will you stop fighting his glory and his truth and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? He'll heal you of your wounds. He'll bind up your hurts no matter how long ago they were. He'll begin to change you. No more judgment. No more decay. No more rocks. No more drowning. You'll find instead in a year's time, you'll be able to say, what a difference a year made. A year of growth in the knowledge of God. A year of change to be more like Christ. A year of joy, the joy of salvation. 
as he makes you more like himself. And it will show on your face. A glad heart makes a cheerful face. And they said of Stephen, didn't they, as they prepared to stone him, that his face looked like the face of an angel. Wouldn't that be wonderful if someone said that about, about you? Because of your closeness to your God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray thanking you for your word and we live amongst the people. It's just so sad, Lord. People who are so actively suppressing your truth and your revelation. Oh, Lord, convict them. Help them to see what they're doing. And we thank you for that you've sent out your knowledge into all the world, the knowledge that you are and that you're powerful. We thank you that in our own lives we have responded and come to know you through Christ, your Son. We pray that we would have joyful hearts and a countenance that shows that your word and your grace is working deep into us, into our flesh, and coming out in good things, good works and good deeds. Father, if anyone's listening who doesn't know you, um, bring them to the surface. Help them to see and to breathe the good things that you have for them in Christ Jesus. And we pray in his name, amen.